Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, man. I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, keep tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about. They compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot. And who the ball? So listen to Professor, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Cavill inside the HBC Sports Lab. How y'all doing, gentlemen? I hadn't seen y'all since last year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Dr. Gamil. It is a good New Year as we uh, get ready to start up this HBCU basketball slate now. So looking forward to it. Yeah, let's get into all this HBCU basketball. We'll get into that. Mike, hadn't seen you. I guess I did get to see you a little bit this year, last year. Oh, it was before last year. So I hadn't seen you since last year either. I yep, uh, last evening at that thrilling game on the hill, at least the Prairie View and <laughs> version of the hill. So, uh, good, <laughs> happy New Year's to everyone. Glad to see that the New Year's is starting off and with all of these thrilling finishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the way. That's a really, really good uh, way to kick off conference play for sure. Yeah, with that. Um... You know how big I am of really focusing the show on HBCU sports. Very rarely do I go outside of that. Um, I think it's appropriate with everything that happened last night before we get into the sports. Uh, If you are an individual that's supreme man or believe in a higher being, I certainly um, would understand those that uh, are in prayer uh, for the family of DeMar Hamlin. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he is not an HBCU graduate, but uh, just the way things happen and how it has touched so many people, be remiss if we didn't just um, acknowledge what's taking place. And so we don't have to get into the dialogue and things of that nature, uh, but I did want to acknowledge that we have seen, viewed, and heard, you know, what certainly has engulfed so many people emotionally, spiritually, physically, and psychologically. So. Uh, mental health is real, so it's another opportunity for us uh, to recognize that and, and talk about folks making sure wherever necessary, if they need to, make sure they get help, particularly starting out this year because we also have a lot of folks um, that have entered in this year with many of family members uh, with transition. Um, so while we joke about the opportunity to see another year, for those that are with us, we certainly celebrate you all and hope that you have a great year, thing to come. But uh, if you are missing loved ones in this year, we do want to recognize and make sure you understand uh, that uh, be as spiritually awake and awarding to you as much as possible. With that said, let's get to the more brighter side of things, if you would. I wanted to acknowledge a little bit of the Division II uh, NAI, particularly in this case is more Division II, uh, the West Virginia State, on the second, yes, USVI Classic in Virgin Islands. And and so, you know, I wanted to go in my closet there, gentlemen. And, uh, I pulled out my button-down University of the Virgin Islands uh, shirt from the last time I visited, just so that you understand that I'm true to this, and wanted to acknowledge the United States Virgin Islands University of the Virgin Islands, for that matter, the only HBCU outside of the continental U.S., you know, I've talked about my global diaspora and talked about HBCU-like institutions at the University of Bahamas, uh, one out of the Brazil, one in South Africa. But this one in the Caribbean, uh, in the Virgin Islands, actually is historically a black college university. So wanted to acknowledge that tournament, West Virginia State, for winning the championship over Tusculum College uh, in the United States Virgin Islands as they would say 73 to 59. So 
kudos to West Virginia. They're ranked number 16 uh, in the top 25 at Division II level. Uh, um, at the time, they wrote the article and won, this big, uh, won the tournament. So they did well. Uh, just to make sure we acknowledge other ones on there, you had West Virginia State, uh, Clinton, Kentucky State, Edward Waters, Virginia State, and Tuscan uh, were all a part of the uh, tournament as it was held at the Antilles High School there. Um, as things were going on. Any thoughts about the tournament? Why well, I'm so happy about this. Let me be truthful to everybody. I've already negotiated, if you would, with the house that next year for the holidays, I too will be on an island somewhere in the Caribbean. So whether it's the Bahamas or the Virgin Islands or even maybe Jamaica, that I'm already excited about what 2023 brings in terms of where I'm spending, uh, whether it's Thanksgiving and or Christmas holiday. Notice I say and or, so I might be there twice. Just letting y'all know if we need to pardon up, you might want to put your nickels and dimes together because I'm out. Yeah, well, I too want to get my uh, own button-down version of U.S. Virgin Islands uh, uh, shirt there. So uh, <laughs> uh, don't don't worry, I, I will be making my way down there as well. So uh, <laughs> in some manner, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> and shout out to Kyle Mosley if I go and get your thoughts, Mike. That's Kyle Miles Mosley, Sports Illustrated as um, he actually him and his son, compared to his son. As well, you're talking about a great gift uh, to put in some work. They were down there covering the tournament and did a lot of great interviews, a lot of great coverage uh, down there. And so I was like, ooh, I can make this a working uh, relationship as well. So, yeah, we out. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Professor Washington? <laughs> well, well two, two things. First of all, I want to earn me a shirt, too. We say you say in corporate you say in corporate America you get a nice shirt you got to put in some work to get this so I want to the second thing is I'm you, you casually throughout trying to convince the household that you're working there that don't go across as easy what do you, what do you mean you're working in the in the Virgin Islands so that, <laughs> I'm still on the convincing part of that so the shirt's no problem. The tournament's awesome, but I'm still on the convincing. I'm, I'm, I damn near had to put together a job description for that weekend just to get approval. <laughs> I understand. I understand. I understand. Hey, let's get into some Jackson State news because they always find themselves into it. But this is for some good reasons. Uh, Jackson State drives 2022 HBCU football attendance from HBCU Came Day. Uh, Jackson State turn, football attendance shot up again. Uh, Magic City Class again topped the list with 67,532, uh, as we talked about a little bit. But uh, multiple games featured Jackson State when you look at what they were able to do. Um, and you talked about, particularly when you talk about these neutral site games, uh, JSU averaged 39,120 fans. JSU attracted an average of 27,800 fans for its three away games on HBCU rival campus. Man, that is significant. You're talking about tide rising all boats. Um, hard to argue with the numbers. Um, obviously, when you talk about highest attendance of 2022, uh, you go 67,000. Yeah, two games over 60,000. Uh, Bayou Classic, Madison City Classic, they continue to do what they do. Florida Classic is no slouch, representing with 55,000, even there. State Fair Classic with 53,000. Jackson State home game uh, against Southern. This is the early game, the first version, was 53,000. Um, then uh, you talk about these matchups, so huge when you uh, talk about what was going on in so many of these games. Uh, uh, all these 50-some thousand games, when you talk about the top eight, Southern Heritage Classic, Jackson State homecoming, it's amazing when you just talk about what's going on uh, in terms of what Jackson State did with attendance in 2022. Charles? Uh, I, let me tell jump you. Jump in there, let you kind of smile a little bit. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Let him soak it up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. It was phenomenal to be a part of it. I mean, especially when you stop and take a look at uh, – uh, the neutral games, uh, the neutral side games, it was phenomenal uh, to see that 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 
that welcoming uh, atmosphere, if you will, especially when the buses would pull in, uh, whether it be to the hotel or to the stadium, uh, just people following Jackson State football, uh, being a part of that experience, it was tremendous. Uh, and I can't say any, uh, any more about the home atmosphere. Uh, Jackson State, uh, the Veterans Memorial Stadium truly, truly became uh, a, a house of horrors, if you will, for the visiting team. It was a true home field advantage. You can't say enough about the Jackson State fans being the 12th man, if you will, to really uh, propel that Jackson State football team. But it was special to be a part of it. It was uh, tremendous. And, and I'll say this now, that, that chip is on the Jackson State fans' shoulder to continue uh, that movement going forward. So we'll see uh, what this fan base continues to do going forward with regards to this Jackson State football team. Uh, everybody's really excited with T Coach T.C. Taylor, what he brings to the table. Yeah, and he's gotten out <laughs> the right foot when you talk about who he got back, um, getting in transfer portal, getting – couple of key guys, and then just really doing well with that early recruiting class. So you see why he's bringing that excitement more than just uh, what he would already bring to the table. He's uh, starting off in a good note. Before I go to you, Mike, get your thoughts on this. I'm going to mix in uh, 2022 HBCU homecoming numbers brought to you by HBCU game day as well. Um, Jackson State was in the mix on this as well. Uh, but just in general, the number of home games drew that drew 10,000 or more Fans increased from 11 to 14, 21-22. Obviously, moving a little further away from COVID has helped that. The average attendance at the 14 games was 21,098, only a little above of 20,828 in 2021. So not a huge leap there between those two differences in terms of total average. Uh, but a good thing there. Um, when you talk about Jackson State squad figures significantly in homecoming numbers, uh, their homecoming date against non-SWAT Campbell had 51,596 fans to top the list for the second straight season. It was a little less than what they did uh, October 16th, a uh, year before, against Alabama State, where they had 53,578. But uh, still doing well when you talk about that. But you see uh, the homecoming numbers and what they represent. Mike, what are your thoughts in terms of overall attendance for HBCU games uh, or specifically HBCU homecoming? Well, looking at going back up to the HBCU football games, I'm really drawn to and, and, and impressed by everything, but more so the away games, uh, the games that are on the road, particularly with Jackson State. I mean, that tells you something about the fan base. They will travel and that it was an exciting year. I mean, just <laughs> you look you look at the length, the length of travel to some of those games. Some of those games are not around, the, you know, Orange Blossom. That's not That's right. <laughs> you got a plane and a, and, a, and a whatever, rental bus, whatever. And then looking at the homecoming games, you know, they're a little lo lower on the order of magnitude, but I almost got to wonder, we talked about this in one of my business classes. Do you, when you look at kind of the anatomy of some of the football games, you look at the, the HBCU home, um, homecoming, you almost got an account for another five to 10,000 outside the gate that don't get counted. More so with homecoming games, I would say. I wonder if there's some data points that really relate to that. So you have 21 points. Is that folks in the stadium? Does it account for all the many, many? Because you look at some of those teams out that are in the top five, six, seven, those are top tailgating schools, especially at their homecoming. You go to their homecoming, you're going to see another, you know, three, 4,000 folks in the RVs, actually maybe too drunk to go to the game. Or, you know, in the fence, they watch the game, but they outside the game. So I, I wonder how much <laughs> – <laughs> and I'm not throwing myself into it, but I am throwing myself in because I've been there before. So I wonder how much that factors in just total attendance and total involvement. That's so. really interesting. That's really Mike interesting. makes it to the games. He just might be late. He makes it to me. <laughs> and you know, it's such a different dynamic. It throws me off because because I, you know, we've tailgated before, and you know me, I'm one of those people. I have to be in the stadium like almost yeah. an hour and a half, two hours beforehand. So it was it was throwing me off. But Mike was like, yeah, we got time. I was like, no, we're doing warm-ups now. We, we got to go. Hey, he is – Charles is actually correct about this. But it's not yeah. so much just his negotiation with football. Uh, I have this thing that I'm always trying to beat Charles somewhere. Charles <laughs> is never – Late never. To any, never late. I mean, you can't get Charles to be late to nothing. Early. 
Nothing. I mean, Come on. Was there early. he didn't got a seat. Got He's like, Charles, Charles, where are you going? I got to get Charles, there on time. Oh, the plane don't leave for another 12. Man, I just need to be here. He didn't park. Uh, you go to somewhere, we're going to meet somewhere. Charles in there. Yeah, I got a seat. We over here. Yeah. Charles in the state. Charles, where are you going? Ain't nobody in the stadium. I'm trying to beat him. He's still like, no, it's not going to happen. You you guys can blame my fifth grade teacher, Miss Starlin. Punctuality means everything. So I, I get it. <laughs> I, I get it honest. <laughs> All right, good. We can give a shout out. Before yeah. we go to the break, I would be remiss because we're gonna come back and talk a little bit of basketball, but it's gonna be swag heavy because the game just kicked off. We'll teach you a little bit about the SICIAA. A couple of big matchups coming in uh this weekend. Uh, as they've fully gotten into the conference play. So you start to see what that is. But you had first game opening, bail uh, to the whistle, if you would, for the SWAC this weekend. MIAC is next weekend. So we'll push the polls back a little bit as we gave you an open style coming out of conference play. want to get a little more conference play because things slowed down with the uh, Christmas and New Year break. But I'd be remiss if I didn't put this in here, MIAC to host biweekly basketball coaching video conference. Nice little touch. It starts actually tomorrow, that is January 4th. Uh, the conference will be held via Zoom and will feature both the men's and women's head coaches from each member institution. The video conference will continue bi-weekly through Wednesday, March the 2nd. The head coaches from each institution will be available at the same time for 15-minute segments uh, to, with brief statements about the previous uh, week's game, upcoming games, and opponents. Each session will conclude with a question and answer session with the members of the media. So try to get in there and see if I can make sure, make a couple of these, give you some updates. I'm excited about what that will look like. Uh, and you don't necessarily see this in, in terms of the basketball, at least you hadn't seen in the last couple of years. Years past, you saw a little bit more of that. Uh, but I think that's fascinating, uh, great work by the MEAC. So uh, I'll be able to jump in there and see uh, what some of these squads in the MEAC plan to do as they get in earnest next weekend. Obviously, again, we started this week with the uh, SWAC, men's and women's, jumped off yesterday, Monday, and then they'll do their road series, two teams. And so you have another slate of games Wednesday, and then you get into your traditional Saturday, Monday-type matchups. Um, so with that, stick with us. We'll be right back at this break, and we'll get into some basketball hardwood talk and let you know what went down because we had some big games that went down to the buzz. If this is an indication of what we can expect, particularly on the mm. men's side in terms of what went down, we had an excited uh, basketball season to prepare for on the men's side. Women, they tend to seem that they're doing what they're doing, but we'll see. Might be a little early to crown them. Uh, but 40 games is 40 games. 40 games yeah. in a row. Yes, yep. Jackson State uh, acknowledging that. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Tell everybody Network. they can follow their dreams. Let's get back to getting ticks instead of watching flicks. Before we can safely get out there, we need the facts on COVID-19 vaccines. Visit getvaccineanswers.org so you can make an informed decision for yourself and for your crew. Charmin Ultra Soft has so much cushiony softness, it's hard for your family to remember. They can use less. Sweet pillows of softness. This is soft. Holy Charmin. Oh, excuse me. Roll it back, everybody. Sorry. Charmin Ultra Soft is so cushiony soft, you'll want more. But it's so absorbent, you can use less. So it's always worth it. Now, what did we learn about using less? You gotta roll it back, everybody. <laughs> we all go. Why not enjoy the go with Charmin? Maureen is saving big holiday shopping at Amazon. So now she's free to become Maureen the Marrier. Food is her love language. And she really loves her grandson. Like, really loves. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left, and who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. Only if you're taking is bombing on some stuff that we're gonna talk a little bit later on the show. He just threw that hand grenade out there. We'll tell you a little <laughs> bit about it later. <laughs> I was like, man, Charles, that's not nice. But let's get into what we want to talk about a little bit about this basketball. Before I do that, let me shout out some folks that are, are checking us out. Carlos Brown, Chuck Hunt, Theron Waters, saying, hey, what's going on? Uh, hey, Wildcats. I see somebody's excited about the Wildcats. They got yeah. a big basketball win, beat the rival yesterday, too. This is on the – uh, uh, on the fact that they also named the new coach, it seems like uh, uh, we're waiting for the official document to be signed, but that's what they're telling everybody. Anthony Weston, uh, Chuck Hunt, Gene Boo Holly says, Happy New Year to all the lab. Yep, yep. Rike, Ricky Burke is in the house. Edwin D. Moore, NCSC High School Heritage Center is watching. All right, I see that. The business is in the building. Brandon King. John Grant started the new year in the lab. That's a good way to start it, Mr. John Grant. Got some big news to talk about the second half of the show. We're going to get into some of this information about the bowl. I want to del- get y'all some stuff on that. So I'm going to stick in there and give you some bowl comparisons, if you would. Carol Kellum is in here. Trudy Jackson uh, giving some shout-out. Nick Bridges, Sarah Beverly, Donald Crawford in the building, Silas Edward McMorris, Thomas Maddox, Frank- Troy Franklin, Willie Alex Hines is getting it done in here. Brother Wendell Davis, Andre uh, Heights Jr. in here as well. Emma Price, what do we got in? Derek Carson, Franklin Crump third. I saw that big shot that Southern put on uh, the boys of Tigers over here, Texas Southern, getting it done in third war. Jazzy Faye, Trudy Jackson, Alex Bozeman in here. Appreciate you all getting it done in the building. With that, let's get into some of the matchups. Let's start with the women uh, in terms of what took place over there on the women's side. I'm just going to start with Jackson State going on the road, getting it done against Auckland State, one by 10. I'm not sure if that really surprises anybody that's paying attention to the women's side of basketball, but I think it is should be acknowledged as I kind of teased out beforehand uh, that uh, Texas Southern uh, women have won their 40th SWAT game in a row, before we get into some of these other scores that took place on Monday and maybe any that surprised you, uh, what do you say in terms of 40 in a row? Not so much that they won, but the fact that they have hit the 40 mark in terms of 40 squat straight victories. Unprecedented in so many different ways. Uh, Charles, I'll go to you first. Tamika Reed has made her stamp uh, on the uh, Southwestern Athletic Conference in terms of what she's able to get done. Uh, year in, year out with this uh, basketball team. Uh, Jackson State, they go on the road last night. Uh, hostile environment, of course, playing the rival with Alcorn. And they get it done again. And, uh, you know, defensively, they, they smother you out. They did a tremendous job uh, last night in terms of dealing with Alcorn. Uh, but keep a name, uh, keep an ear out for uh, the name Angel Jackson. Seven blocks last night. Jackson State has another low-post presence uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, and once, you know, they start feeding uh, Angel uh, down there in the post with regards to what she's able to do uh, from a scoring standpoint, uh, this team can be uh, a nightmare to deal with, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So uh, you know, all you need is to get a little bit of scoring, but they, they really they make their mark on the defensive side of the ball. Mike, I'd be remiss if I didn't let you get in there and get some of that 40 wins. 
Uh, hit your mic there. Oh, yep. Sorry, um, man. Um, forty wins. <laughs> forty wins. 40, uh, consecutive uh, wins in the swag. That is no interruptions. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't. I got to echo what Charles is saying. Um, there no no Misha Williams this year, no problem. He reload. Mm. They reload. They just keep it going. Angel Jackson. What did she have? Uh, CB. What? Uh, you said seven, seven blocks. blocks. Seven blocks. She had also eight boyfriend bake drops. That's a rebound, y'all. And, and she threw in another nine or ten points. <laughs> then, then you got Jariah. What's that? Covington. Jay Covington. Jariah. Jariah Covington. Yes, indeed. Yes, man. They just. I mean, no Misha Williams. No problem. We just keep it going. So, <laughs> so you got to tip your hat off. That program is phenomenal. But let's check out some of these other scores to get your thoughts on this. Uh, Mississippi Valley State uh, goes down on the road. Alabama State gets it done, 76-65. I'm not sure if that surprises anybody. Uh, Southern defeats Texas Southern on the road, 76-62. That didn't really surprise me. But the closest of the score uh, uh, with Texas Southern, new coach, getting it done, young team, uh, I thought that was interesting. Uh, Grambling and Prairie View. Uh, saw that game for every started off pretty solid, but uh, Gramlin put on a little press and really got it going. Prairie tries to make a lot come back, but not to be done. So they lose at home 66 to 60. Good win by the Tigers of Gramlin. Uh, and then you have Alabama AM and Pine Bluff. This surprised me a bit. Although mm. it was on the road and AM has been solid, uh, I'm not sure if I would have picked them to win this game, particularly when the the game is solid as they did by nine, 67 to 58. One that really got out of hand uh, was Bethune Cookman going on the road and winning by 35. Oh, my. 85 to 50 uh, yeah. over FAMU rivalry. So, sticking with you, Charles, in terms of the old my, uh, what are your thoughts? Any of these matchups stood out to you? Uh, the big on my last night for me was uh, Alabama and the UAPB. Uh, but of note, Zay Green did not play in that game for UAPB. Of course, Zay Green, you know, she had a tremendous uh, swag basketball tournament uh, last year uh, for UAPB. And, and, and UAPB was one of my teams that I, I feel is going to be right there in the upper echelon. Uh, fighting it out toward the end in terms of regular season title. But uh, for Alabama and m with some of the change that they've had with regards to their roster, to start out on the winning side, that was a huge win for them last night against UAPB. Good stuff. <laughs> Drew had to get in on that family. He said family basketball is terrible. <laughs> terrible. Uh, with that being said, um, do you want to give uh, – Mike, what are your thoughts in terms of those? Anything stood out to you in terms of the, those scores that I just talked about? Not, uh, not at this point in the season. <clears throat> yeah, not the, not at this point in the season. The only one I will say that that made my eyebrow twinkle a little bit was that Bethune Cookman, uh, FAMU game, eighty five fifty. Took a look at some of the data points, and FAMU shot like twenty, twenty eight. And 30, if you look at field goal percentage, three-pointer, I don't think they got a lot of 30 points. That ain't going to get it. So, I was like, I don't know if Bethune put that grown woman defense on them and put and just shut them up. Or if oh, my God. FAMU put is their just, hip on them. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Or if, you know, FAMU is just not playing up to par this year or what. But the margin of defense and how that score early this early this point in the season, that, that's a head-scratcher for the FAMU basketball uh, pro, uh, women's basketball program. So that did raise my eyebrow a little bit. Doc, I will say the, the other one that uh, raised my eyebrow a little bit was Grandma and Prairie View. Uh, I know Prairie View women's basketball, they were going to hang their head on a three-point shot. Uh, yep. This upcoming season, they were only six of nineteen from three point land last night. So uh, yep. keep an eye out for that going forward with regards to whether Prairie View can be hot or not from the three point line. Absolutely, oh, that's a great, great point that you pull that out there because that was the huge difference in that game. Um, and they thought they were going to do a little better than the year. See, it was just a one game, or is that something that uh, will uh, be Achilles' heel this season as well? Going into the MEAC, obviously things really start out next week. We have a couple of games uh, that stood out to me. Coppin State, that is right at the top of the conference, lost in um, overtime, if you would, in terms of what they're doing 
overall record is just three and twelve. Uh, but they had a pretty good game against uh, Kent State. Uh, took them to overtime, but failed seventy-two to sixty-nine uh, in terms of a matchup that went there in a lot of ways. Uh, today, the Norfolk State that is just um, really playing some good basketball. Uh, they're winning and really taking it to Chicago State as they are eleven and three on the season, looking to improve to twelve and three as they just find a way to get it done in terms of what. Uh, goes on with Norfolk State over Chicago State early in that matchup. Also wanted to get into a little bit of uh, OVC uh, with the women of Tennessee State as um, they're getting into uh, conference play in terms of last week. Uh, uh, they lost a game to Moorhead State on Thursday, 81 to 58, then turn around and, you know, they do the Thursday-Saturday travel pod, if you would. Um, they lost the Little Rock 64 to 57. So they starting out the season much tougher than they did last year, where they started out really hot, getting a couple of wins uh, there at 0 and 2. Uh, they uh, will move forward in terms of what that looks like. But on the other side, in the Colonial, uh, you have North Carolina AT. Uh, Lady Aggies are getting it done in a lot of ways as they jump off and get it started hot in terms of the Colonial matchups, in terms of what they're uh, as they do that Thursday matchups uh, this past weekend in terms of what's going on there. Played on Friday, though, as they defeat Elon, 67-50 to 50 to get their first Colonial win uh, coming out of the gate there. Jump back on and get it done on Sunday as they defeat Charleston, 66-58. to 58. Um, So they are really solid. The next matchup is Friday-Sunday, as in the Colonial, the women's play Friday and Sunday, as you'll see that continue matchup. Uh, but then on the other side, in terms of what you saw with Hampton, uh, they lost on Sunday uh, to Elon. Oh, they defeated Elon, I should say, excuse me, 57 to 54, much closer matchup, but they get it done. So that gives you some updates in terms of what's going on across the landscape from the MEAC, uh, the OVC with Tennessee State, and the Colonial with North Carolina A&T and Hampton. We'll be right back after this break. We'll come back and get into the men action to let you know what took place on the squat. We got some little fu uh, footage, so we'll show off and stick with us. We'll be right back after this break as we had some buzzer beaters. It went down the stretch. A couple of upsets. Hold big matchups. <laughs> a lot of excitement. We'll see what is up with that on the other side. As I'm going to bring in and let Charles and Mike tell you what they think about it. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Your ad could be ran here. MyJBN.com backslash support. MyJBN.com backslash support for more information. Free driving offers the most advanced and luxurious pickup in its class. Yeah, it runs. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com Supermarket sushi, really? No. Wait, Troy, you work here? I'm never not working. Like head and shoulder scalp shield technology, up to 100% dandruff protection, even between washes. Never not working, huh? Oh, Troy, you're such a good teacher. Yeah, I know. <laughs> never not working. Never not working. Never ever not working. Are you serious? Never not working. Standard protection that's never not working. Head and shoulder scalp shield technology. It's like a loot machine. Going around town, trying to get down. 
press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left. And who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. Process gets it into Hagel. Augustine, and Augustine will bring it right across the timeline. Back into the hands of Gambrell with 30 seconds left to play. Gambrell at the top of the key, looking left side. Gambrell trying to find the lane, sits it back over to Rosses. Rosses giving it over on the right side. Gambrell now with 15 seconds to give it to Rosses. Oh, Rosses, man! Oh, wow. What a shot here! Oh, my good, down to 16 seconds left to play. 13 seconds. This I mean, yeah, is the shot now. 10 seconds. 8 seconds. Here comes Cohort. He's going to play for the win. Cohort jumps it up. Puts it up. No good. And the Panthers are going to win this one, ladies and gentlemen, here in the Baltimore. It's exciting. Wow. What a game. To take it out for the Panthers. 4 seconds. 3, 2, 1. Right at the buzzer. Oh my God! Still got point five. Still got Wow! Uh, other way. And that's the end of the game. Texas Southern comes away with the victory. Southern University comes away with the victory. Misses it. Four seconds. Three, two. This is Dr. Okay. Bill inside HBC Force Lab. Man, I thought y'all would be better to see it live for yourself. Those buzzer beaters essentially are getting it done in terms of three of those matchups. Man. Some good basketball. If that's in the indication of what it's going to look like in what I call the de facto Western Division of the SWAC, <laughs> who would have think it? It's going to be <laughs> nice this year, man, in terms of what's going on. And that was courtesy of Mid-Major Madness. Uh, you can check them out on Twitter. They have all the Mid-Major programs on there. Um, so it was nice because they had it cut up um, and put it out there. Obviously, the schools are doing their own in terms of these broadcasts. Um, so if you want to get more of that, you can also go there, too. But I did want to acknowledge mid major madness in terms of the simple way that I was able to get all three of those cut up so you could see it here on the show. But let's get into it. The fun part now. Um, let me get in the other game that we didn't show up. The Alabama A&M gets it done at home against all saw Pine Bluff, obviously in their new gym. The defeat Pine Bluff 66-59. Nice contest there. Solid. Thorne Cookman goes on the road as they bring out the brooms against the Florida A&M Rattlers. 67-59 was the final in that contest. Alabama State gets a solid win at home against Mississippi Valley State, 70-61. So, see, a lot of these games were really pretty much close, but not like the last three that we talked about. With the first one kicking off early, it kind of set the tempo. Was Jackson State going on the road to defeat Alcorn State? Remember, they won the regular season championship last year. Got some big wins coming into non-conference play, uh, but not able to get it done against Jackson. Jackson goes on the road to the reservation and gets it done at the buzzer with a three-pointer uh, as they hold off on a late layup that doesn't go for uh, the Braves and wins 67-66. Uh, then the next matchup that, uh, in terms of just the succeeding succession of the games was Prairie View. Prairie View was down by 15 points in the second half, but they fight all the way back to get that late shot pretty much at the buzz to get it done, 61 to 60, as they climb back into it and hold off as another ball goes around the cup and doesn't go down for Gramlin. Um, so Prairie View wins 61 to 60. And the last night, Capra goes into overtime. As Texas Southern fights back of being down early themselves, 
But Southern goes on the road and takes down the tournament champions in the Texas Southern Tigers, 77 to 76, as you hear Chatterbox giving his famous words that he does uh, before <laughs> he usually tells you to put your hands on the radio as he does. Uh, but the Jaguars, as they get it done, 77 to 76, a big three. Late in the game, this is after the Texas Southern Tigers fight back and really take it into overtime, uh, but cannot get it done as they lose this matchup. Let me go to you, Mike. You happen to be at the game of prayer. View. Charles was at Texas Southern, so we got a little bonus so we can tell you about the energy in these matchups. Mike, what was your thoughts in terms of you seeing prayer? If you get it done against Bramlin on the men's side uh, with that last shot by Rosses, transfer from Texas Southern University, I might have it, uh, as he gets it done in that matchup. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of that game, Mike? Man, I was very impressed with the, the well. Let me first the second half. I mean, the first half it was a dead out tie. Both teams were playing very aggressive, very aggressive defense, hitting the boards. Then it got into the you know the second half, and Prairie View gets into this double digit uh, deficit, and you could hear the the the, the knoll in the crowd like, oh man, here we go. And then all of a sudden, Prairie View goes on this methodical run. And they, they, you know, they, they Jeremiah Gambrell, Bill, D Will Douglas, man, I tell you, those two really. Will Douglas had a couple of threes. Jeremiah Gambrell with his pinpoint uh, uh, dribbling and penetration into the defense. You got to admit, Gramlin has two big, big dudes that guard the boards. And I forget the name one. I think Azo or something like that. But you kind of thought that. You know, once they had this double-digit lead, you kind of thought Gramlin was going to kind of take it to the house and, and pull out the victory because they basically were pulling rebound, out-rebounding out Prairie View at least early in the play. And then all of a sudden, Prairie View goes on this terrific run. The crowd got into it. You had Gramlin fans going Rambo <clears throat> on the uh, on the referees. You had Mama's one actually coming out the stand <laughs> from where I was sitting. Um, but that game was truly exciting. I mean, the atmosphere was electric, and and when I think, and when Gambrell hit that last shot and had maybe a half a sec, you know, two maybe one or two seconds on the clock, and they were able to get the rebound. Man, that that just set the baby dome off. Charles, let me go in there. You were at Texas Southern saw the Jaguars game. Uh, didn't mm -hmm. quite go Texas Southern way, but. What do you think in terms of that matchup? Let me start here. Uh, tremendous atmosphere for school to not be in. Uh, so I got to take my hat off to the Texas Southern alumni and the Southern alumni who turned out to that game. It made the environment a tremendous environment in terms of the alumni fan base being there uh, to start this year off. But uh, you talk about uh, Texas Southern transfers. Uh, Southern got one. Bryson Etienne, who was at Texas Southern last year. Uh, he went off in this game for 18 points uh, for the Southern Jaguars. Uh, nip and tuck game there in the second half. It looked like, you know, Southern was really in control of things there in the first half. But uh, I tell you what, Texas Southern has another guard. Everybody got to keep their eye out on uh, Zatarius Morrow. He went for 34 points last night. And the big thing in this game, Texas Southern, 3 of 18 from behind the arc. I thought that was a real difference in the game. And Zatarius was the person who did all three of their three-pointers. So, uh, tremendous atmosphere. But when you talk about uh, Southern knocking one down there at the end in overtime and then the chatterbox call, uh, it was an exciting game last night. No doubt. And then I'm sure you got to see uh, the score, but now you just see the basket. And I'm sure you read about it. Uh, but the Jackson State Tigers get a huge win over their rival team, as I said earlier, that won the regular season. Uh, was playing pretty well in terms of what they were able to get done in uh, conference, and a lot of folks have them in the mix uh, for things. So to go on the road to get that win, to start out things, uh, is a statement for Jackson State Tigers under the new coach, first-year coach, obviously second year in the swag there, but new coach there. Huge statement for Jackson State to go on the road and knock off the defending regular season uh, champion in, in Alcorn. Uh, when you talk about defensively, they forced Alcorn into 22 turnovers uh, last night. That was huge for Jackson State. And then uh, when you have uh, Colton Young, I think that was the only three-pointer he hit all night. Uh, I think he was one and some change uh, from, from three-point uh, land, but he was able to knock that one home. Huge win uh, to, to, for Jackson State to start off slack play. Uh, you know, 
We'll, we'll have to see what this Jackson State team looks like because they could be the fly in the oil. They, they have some talent, but it's a matter of putting that thing together uh, going forward. Good one, Mike. In terms of the other scores, what stood out to you? You're, you're on mute. I told right. you, you keep messing with me. I'm going to put that mute on you. I, 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 thought, I thought you had already put the mute on. <laughs> no, I, 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 I go back to the uh, the Jackson State game. That surprised me as well because, and I, CB. In addition to what CB says, you got to look at the what's the record. I, I mean, I know it's early in the season, but I, what Jackson State what has two or three wins, CB. Yeah, only two, three, uh, only a couple wins. I think that was their third win. Yeah, yeah, that was a third win. That was a third win. They, they, I, I saw only clips. They did not look like a third three team. <laughs> they looked much better than that. So they play. They that that gives you a glimpse into the potential they may have this season. And they bought some players that you didn't expect to step up. So that was the one game. In addition to the preview. And the uh, Southern TSU game that stood out the most to me. Let me correct myself, Coach yeah. Young. He was three of ten from three point line. So yeah. that 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 uh, buzzer beater was one of his three, uh, uh, one of his attempts uh, with regards to three point art. Yeah. Well, it's a big one, <laughs> to yeah. say the least. Mm -hmm. With that mm -hmm. being said, uh, if we were looking at it as the de facto Western Division and Eastern Division, you would have three teams in the East being at one and oldest early. Uh, part of the year, Alabama A&M, Bethune-Cookman, Alabama State, and Jackson State. While wow, you would just have the two 1-0 in the de facto Western Division, if you would. Prairie View and Southern both at 1-0. So it'll be interesting to kind of look at both the top six teams and also look at it in the de facto East-West. What does it look like? Because the reason I kind of break that down, uh, that is the scheduling way that you do it. So in this unique matchup when you had the 12 teams, everybody doesn't play everybody home and away. So that's going to mm. be fascinating to see if one side is heavier on the other. How does it affect things when uh, you tend to play those teams home and away uh, versus um, what it will look like just in this top 10 format? You want to jump in there and say something else, Joe? Yeah, kind of interesting. If you remember last year, Alcorn – uh, uh, through that huge grenade at the beginning of the year last year, when they went on the road at Jackson State and got that win, to mm -hmm. and it kind of it kind of propelled them going forward in twenty one. So we'll see what happens with regards to Jackson State kind of doing the same thing uh, in, uh, uh, to, to get that win to start off twenty twenty three, if you will. Uh, so um, it'll be interesting to watch this Jackson State team going forward. Anytime yeah. you can win on the road in this league, that almost counts as a double. I said that last yeah. year, but that, that was a huge. Did did we have and maybe this is over? Did we have this much parity at this point in the year? January when we did, did we have this much parity? Games finishing last minute buzz. I didn't think so. It just I don't believe so. Uh, I don't recall it. You know, I kind of glanced back. Uh, early, obviously, you had those teams that certainly uh, come in and get the win in terms of, but you had a lot more lopsided scores for sure yeah. last year, and you didn't get the buzz. But obviously, you have some key matchups. It's fascinating to see uh, what this looks like moving forward. Quickly, I did want to sneak in there and tell you about Tennessee State. Uh, as they are picked to be at the top of the OVC, in terms of Lindy's, they were preseason number three. Uh, coaches had them number two. Uh, they lost a tough one at home against Moorhead State to start on things last Thursday. Uh, but they rebounded, and uh, Moorhead State is at the top of the conference. They did split their first two, so they're one and one. They lost that game 83-75, to 75, but then they came back on Saturday um, at home against Little Rock and got a big win, uh, beat up on Little Rock 94-69, so they're one and one in terms of this uh, early-type matchup. So I'm fascinated to see what's going on there. Give you a little news about the Colonial. Uh, that's obviously with uh, A&T and happening up that way. Give you some matchups that took place last Thursday uh, as they got it started in the Colonial tough matchup against Northeastern. AT goes down 88 to 76 in terms of their first matchup, um, while Charleston defeats Hampton 89 to 61. You get a little rebound by AT as they get the first win at the buzzer uh, against Hofstra. AT wins 81 79. They actually called it no good, went back to the replay. It looked pretty straightforward to me. That was good. Just live, but the good thing is referee 
got a chance to go look at it. They got it right in terms of that the fact that he got the tip in uh, before the buzzer and the mm. lights went off. So the basket counts, and he gets the first victory in the Colonial, beating Hoster 81 to 79. Hampton still struggling as they lose NC uh, Wilmington 82 to 65. So you got a couple of matchups coming up late this week. That around it out for your major division one uh, programs in terms of that. It looks like we will get into some division two GCAC as they get a little deep into play. Uh, but I have another thing that I want to talk about on the other side. We come back out of this break. I want to get into some bold information, give you some updates. A lot of folks are always talking about finance. Finally, I always look at some football. We'll sneak that in a little bit after this break, and I'll give you an update as we take it off uh, HBCUs. But in some way, we're talking about HBCUs. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us. Well, let's say I found the one who takes me to another level. Always stays calm under pressure. Most importantly, the one that helps me discover the coolest places. This sounds wonderful. Come outside, I'll introduce you. They're here. Definitely the one. <laughs> Introducing the all-new Nissan Frontier. At CDW, we get speed as the new currency of success. Our team spends way too much time tending to outdated applications and software when they should be focused on driving application agility and innovation. CDW Amplified Development Services modernizes software and application development to help accelerate innovation and digital transformation. So you mean building new applications, UI, and mobile interfaces? Well, you said you needed to innovate more quickly. Oh, so he's a listener. To do more at scale, trust CDW Amplified Development Services. It's like a loot machine. All around town, we're trying to get down. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah, and who the ball, so listen to Professor Yesla yes, and pay attention because he going to teach a lesson. Yes. <laughs> this is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab. Let me get a shout out to my man. His bike is giving Charles a hard time as he will be the play-by-play -play caller for the Morehouse game tomorrow. Getting it done Looking for the Morehouse men. Yes, the Morehouse ball. Looking forward to it. <laughs> he got the deep voice in it. Shout outs also uh Black House Sports Network, uh their 25th anniversary. Yes, we've been doing this for 25 years. Uh getting back with Roy in terms of when he put pen to paper. Uh we joined the team more recently, but uh, shout out to uh Roy on 25 year anniversary. Uh we do have a fundraise we're doing. We'll give you some highlights as we pull that information up. Best thing is we need you to do is my JVN, my BCSN. Uh, you can find download that on the app. We'll get you some more information about how you can support us in regards of the fundraiser as we continue to get that done. I did want to talk a little bit about um, bowls, and, and people have asked questions about the Celebration Bowl in terms of the payout. Uh, what does that look like? Just to give you uh, updates there, you're talking about $1.2 million payout in terms of the bowls that go to the conference. A uh, percentage of that goes to the institution, depend on the split, 75-25 uh, for the SWAC 70-30 in terms of the MEAC, or that was the last percentage breakdown uh, in terms of what that looks like. But I want to do a little comparison so you get a 
chance of what does that look like? Obviously, you have the major bowls, and you've seen what they do as they off the chart in terms of the New Year's Six, $14 million, significant type of money. But you see how much, how long they've been in the business for the Rose Bowl going back 100 years uh, in terms of what they do there and how they're tied into the CFP and how they have really engulfed all their money. But if you look at some of the other bowls out there, there was an article uh, that talked about the Quick Lane Bowl, really focusing on New Mexico State, which it was encouraging fans to purchase tickets. Uh, and it wasn't so much about purchasing tickets. Obviously, you want to support your team. But a lot of it would maybe be the distance that a lot of fans wouldn't necessarily travel for a 6-6 six and six Aggies team that was playing a 6-6 six and six Bowling Green Falcons team, if you would, uh, coming out of the MAC. Uh, all the way in Detroit. So they were asking fans to support the team that did make a bowl and purchase tickets so they could donate them to Detroit area youth. That's a great thing for the youth to get a chance to get out and see uh, some college football. But I wanted to get into some of the money uh, when you talk about this particular matchup, uh, when you see what was going on here. Three things to know about the Bowling Green as they enter into entering into uh, at that time, the Quick Lane Bowl, which was this past uh, week uh, in, if you would, a week ago, I should say. Um, the university closed the travel, cost them $400,000 travel to Detroit. Uh, when you talk about the Celebration Bowl, one thing is unique. You heard last year they got the deal with Delta, actually flew the teams in there to Atlanta, and that was at no cost to the teams. So you didn't have to worry about that type of cost. Uh, where you see it doing 400K uh, for Detroit. And so some interesting things there when you think about it. But this is really it was interesting when I've seen this, when you talk about these payouts. Because a lot of folks talk about million, two, three million dollar payouts for these bowls. One thing people don't realize, a lot of times these bowls, the bigger number in there, but they'll charge you, as you see, for your travel, your hotel stay, food and things of that nature uh, while you're in there. They'll also charge you for the van. Uh, in terms of the band and who you bring in there, they'll charge you a ticket price for the band members in the stand. And so the payout uh, for the Quick Lane Bowl was 150 k Yeah, let me say that again. <laughs> the payout for that bowl game was 150 k and which is why you see the fact that um, they were encouraging their fans to buy tickets because this is where it can get a little benefit to the team. New Mexico State Athletic Director was quoted uh, saying that the university will retain 100% of the revenue from the first 2,000 tickets. It sells 50% uh, of the next 2,000 tickets, which by New Mexico wants its fan base to purchase all of these tickets. Because if they did, they could recoup 420K uh, in terms of what that means. So just to give you some indications of what's out there and why you really need to look at the contracts or at least get some more information of some generalities of these various bowl games to get an understanding of what that looks like. So just on the surface, I'll go to you, Charles. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of what that looks like when you see, especially some of these small bowls uh, in terms of what they bring to the table when you um, uh, compare? Because a lot of folks will instantly go to the larger bowl games and say, hey, yeah. they're pairing out this. Um, and just so one of the things we always like to talk about only is the business side. So you see some of the numbers that go out there and get an understanding of what that looks like. What are your thoughts? Tremendously enlightening to, to really find out some of the, the ancillary costs. I think that those are things that you almost uh, oftentimes take for granted, Dr. Bill, that, that you know, those those uh, the charging for the band, the things of that nature. So you never sort of uh, calculate those into uh, what goes into the, the the bigger picture, but it's fascinating to see the numbers finally, you know, out there for all of us to to really grasp and understand, you know, <laughs> uh, what a jewel that you have within the Celebration Bowl. I think. Yeah, and you see the numbers continue to move up, which always mm -hmm. helps both in terms of attendance and the ratings, which is more powerful. So when you sit back in the table, it gives you a chance to to continue to push for a yeah. bigger payouts. Mike, what are your thoughts in terms of uh, just getting a, a different framework of what you the bowl landscape, how, how varied it can be at times? Well, yeah, you, you, you often wonder, and, you know, you look at all of the activities that take place 
And then you look at, you know, who's transporting the, the group here? Who's transporting the, the group here? Who's who's paying for this dinner? Who's providing gift baskets for the team? Those are all costs that are buried underneath the, the umbrella of the bowl cost. So and you, you, you take that into consideration. And then you wonder, does the bowl game have the sustainability of growth and volume over the course of three to five years to kind of, you know, eat a lot of those ancillary costs down, um, you know, such as transportation costs, hotel costs, dining costs, um, you know, you know, their awards costs um, or whatever. I think in some bowls, some of the bigger bowls, I think some of the players get gifts or whatever. You wonder where that's covered, what pot that's covered in. Mm -hmm. uh, so you get all of those, all those, all those little, uh, I guess, trinkets into that big basket of bowl costs. And then that makes you, it gives you a different insight on is this a viable bowl game? And like CB said, all that in consideration, it gives you more of an appreciation for not only the, the, the performance of the Celebration Bowl, but the growth that you've seen over the last five, six years. A lot of this comes out of discussion out of the HBC Nightly. Uh, that uh, I was involved in Saturday night, strange and love, New Year's uh, Eve. So I was at home just relaxing as we were waiting to count down. So we got into some great dialogue. So um, usually that's done by Joshua Sim Sr. Uh, as um, they will be curating this weekend. But he had uh, his his um, buddy Dave on the NT that held it down at night and asked me to come in and do some talk. So we really got into a lot of that dialogue. And then as we got into some more of it, you had John Grant that came in there and provided some updates. He was coming from the championship game of Georgia uh, in Ohio State um, and was sitting uh, in the box with a lot of the dignitaries in terms of these folks that are controlling the CFP. So we have a player that's kind of in that area. So it's fascinating to get some more information. So if you want to get a little more detail uh, go and check out the HBC Nightly. You can go under Joshua or David in terms of Twitter, and you can listen on the conversation went a lot of different directions. It's a long one, so you probably have to hear it in different spots because it got so deep that there were so many different questions. I asked myself to give some perspective. We went from academic rankings, things of that nature, went into some dialogue in terms of conference alignment, uh, expansion, obviously churning, as I like to talk about. We got into bold numbers, finances, uh, leadership perspective. So a lot of various information in that HBC nightly. So I wanted to tease it out at least and provide a little more insight on the bold side and just kind of tie that up in a little bold and make sure that my listeners here and our listeners here in terms of the lab listeners get a chance to make sure they always get a little more in terms of the business. Hope you enjoy it. The breakdown and the highlights we gave you on those buzzer beaters on the men's side. We'll be out there checking out it tomorrow night. We'll see if it round two gives us more as we got a couple of big matchups as we talk about in the swag in the middle of this week. Uh, as we see, obviously, Southern goes down to Prairie View. Grambling comes over to uh, Texas Southern uh, for that matchup. And you got Mississippi Valley going to Alabama A&M which means Arkansas Palm Luck goes to Alabama State. So some early matchups to kind of see who stirs it up early. Some teams do not want to go 0-2 on the road, so it would be fascinating to see. Can you split on the road, as we always talk about, or can you get Southern? Can they find a way to get two on the road and really take a commanding lead? Uh, we see how hot they started last year and fell early, but I'm sure they still want to find a way to get hot, especially – doing it on the road and making a statement in Texas. So that's another one to keep your eyes on to see what that gets done. Uh, but these matchups continue to be great on the men's side. Fascinating to see what takes place on the women's side. And like I said, next week we get into some more action as we get the MEAC partners uh, getting it done as they have a full slate of games coming up. So I'm fascinated to see what happens there. Thank you for listening to Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Kavil, the Dean of HBC Sports coming from inside the lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Again, we thank you for listening to Dr. Ville inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop every Tuesday and Thursday, 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. We look forward to you on Thursday as we give you some more news, give you updates, tell you what took place Wednesday, break it down and tell you who was hot, who was not. 
Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Bill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-D-I-L. It's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-D-I-L. Make sure you check out Morehouse uh, with Charles Bishop on the call. Give me a breakdown so you can tell me what that looks like. Follow me uh, on Twitter in terms of uh, Facebook and Instagram. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter. That's inside the HBC Sports Lab on YouTube and Facebook. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. Mike? Lecture. Dismissed.